0: And shared a little bit of, uh, of her episode this week. Anybody have like a panic attack or episode at all this week? Anyone? No, no one. You guys are just so full of faith. It's just like ridiculous. Yeah, you know. Um, I I had my panic attack in Surf Taco uh, on Thursday um, when everything was going crazy, and and uh, I, I was terrified. After I, I went to the bathroom and I washed my hands, I just got this this whole uh, paranoia that I can't touch the uh, the doorknob on the way out, you know, because I'm going to just, you know, just, I just wash my hands. I can't touch a doorknob, and uh, <laughs> there were no paper towels in there. It was like one of the hand dryers, so I couldn't use a paper towel. So I was in there for about 15 minutes trying to open up the door with my foot, like, as I'm in surf Taco, and I come, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, this, we're going to get through this, and uh, God's in control, and I realized, you know, with all this stuff, I used to have a, a release, I used to, of watching uh, sports, sports talk and, you know, Sports Center, And now I turn on ESPN and, and the fan and all, all we're talking about is, is the same thing. And I, I realized how consumed I was getting with it and uh, realized that I needed to pull back and just shut everything off and just get on my knees and pray, and read God's word, watch what I say. And I can tell you the peace that came on me. When I made that simple switch, Um, and I believe that this could be a moment that God could use for you to really draw back closer to him than you've ever been before, Uh, even with the kids home from school for the next couple weeks, even with all the craziness around you to just get in your house and get closer to God than you ever have before Uh, and use what the Bible says, what the enemy meant for evil. God will use for good. Uh, And so we're going to preach a good sermon this morning, Um, I I believe. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. We're in part 3 of uh, the seven last words of Jesus, the final seven we're calling it. And uh, I'm going to start by reading here uh, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Um, Jesus, before he did a miracle, before he preached a sermon, Uh, before he did anything uh, powerfully that is written about here uh, he was baptized Uh, and uh, I I believe it's important for every single one of us to be baptized like Jesus was baptized and at his baptism we see verse 16 um, Jesus went up out of the water and at that moment the heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased and then go over to John chapter 19. Uh, this is the uh, second phrase that Jesus offered from the cross. And it says, verse 25, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took Jesus' mother into his home and took care of her like his own. Um, the title of this morning's sermon, I'm going to call it Give and Take. Give and Take. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. Uh, I just pray, Father, that uh, you will give us strength right now, Lord God. Uh, I pray for anyone that is uh, dealing with a, a, a spirit of uncertainty. Uh, maybe it's with their their job or with their their finances uncertain of uh, how things are going to pan out with them with so many things closing and uh, business owners unsure of what's going to happen lord i just pray father that we'll get the spirit of jehovah jireh in us this morning lord that you are our provider that the same way you provided for us yesterday last week last year you will provide for us today and tomorrow lord god and that is where our faith is our faith is in you the the unshakable, steady rock of ages, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Give and take. Um, Anybody a giver here this morning? Just love to give, just give, 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 give. Um, Anybody know a taker in here? They just just take, 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 you know? Uh, It's just part of life. There's givers, and there's... That's right. Every relationship has givers and takers. Anyone ever been in a relationship where you felt like you were just giving, 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 and they were just taking, taking, taking? Ron, you raise your hand. I don't. I hope that's not uh, uh, your wife Lou's that you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. She'll beat you up too, Ron. You better put that hand down. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's every relationship. You know, some sometimes there's people that love to clean. And there's people that love to make a mess. There's people that love to cook, and there's people who love to—that's right—match made in heaven. You know, uh, you you love to cook, honey? I love to eat. Let's get it on. You know, you love to clean? Well, I like to make a mess, and and it's all about give and take. Every relationship uh, is is all about that. And. And I've never met anybody that's come in for for counseling or advice and say, I'm just such a taker. I need help with it. I just take, 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 take. No, it's usually the other way around. It's usually people come to me and say, I'm just such a giver. I just give so much. And and I feel like I never get it reciprocated to me in this relationship. And and, and so often, it's a two-way street, isn't it? Because in order to give, first, you have to take. Uh, I remember... Uh, one time, uh, I was going out to dinner with somebody who uh, uh, was an incredible guy. He always would pay for my meal no matter what. Uh, it didn't matter if it was at a fancy place or a, a, a low-income place. He, there wasn't a bill he didn't pay for me, and I was always blessed. And, and I remember this time, I, I was uh, rather young, but I, I, I wanted to bless him. And we went to a, a really nice place to eat, and uh, it wasn't like a, a, a subway. It was like, you know, a decent-sized bill, and, and I was like, this is, this is my chance, I'm gonna pay for their meal. I'm gonna be generous. They've been so generous to me. I'm gonna pay for them, and and I was so excited. I didn't do the slow roll. Anyone do the slow roll when the check comes? Like pretend like you don't see it, or maybe go to the bathroom when the check comes. That's always a classic move. Uh, but I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right for it. Got the check, and uh, the person tried to talk me out of it. I said, no, no, you've done so much for me. I want to take care of you. And and I put my debit card in there and gave it proudly to the waiter and. And uh, sheepishly, about uh, 10 minutes later, the waiter comes back and and says, Mr. Friedel, we have a problem. Uh, Your card was declined. And I was like, oh, snap. So I did what everybody else does. Oh, my gosh, there must be a problem with your machine. Run it again, uh, knowing well that that I I realized that I probably didn't have enough money (laughs) in my account to cover the bill. And uh, the guy who always paid for me ended up having to pay for me again. I was trying to be generous, right? Trying to give. But I didn't have enough money in order to give. Uh, and, And that's what happens, is if you don't have enough to give for yourself, then you can't bless somebody else. Because that's life. Give and take. It happens financially. It happens spiritually. It happens emotionally. You can't give something that you don't have. You could try, but you'll always end up being empty. And the Bible and your relationship with God is all about give and take. You have been given forgiveness. You take your forgiveness from God, and now you have to go and give it to others. It says in Matthew chapter 6, in the same way you have been forgiven, you take that. Now you have to give forgiveness. It says in, in 1 John chapter 3 verse 16, in the same way your father laid down his life for you, you ought to lay down your life for others. I take it from God and I give it to others. I take the love of God, First John chapter 4 verse 10 through 11. By this we know love because Christ laid down his life for us, so now we ought to do it for others. We take it from God and give it out to others. It's a two-way street. It comes down, and then it has to go out. But unfortunately, a lot of times, we like a one-way street. We want to take it all from God, but we don't want to give it out to anybody else. We want to take his forgiveness. We want to take his justification. We want to take his mercy, but we don't want to share it, and we don't want to show it to anybody else. But a relationship is a two-way street. Do I hear an amen? Is give and take, and your relationship with God should change your relationship with everyone and everything else in your life. And if it doesn't, then you didn't find God, you found religion because a relationship with God will change your relationship with your job. You'll realize that because of him, he's given me the opportunity to create wealth. So this job is a blessing because of what God has blessed me with. It'll change the way you see your boss. You'll realize I'm not working for you. I'm working unto the Lord, and I'm going to do my very best. Even though you're a deadbeat boss, I'm not working for you. I'm working for God, and my blessings don't come from you, sir. They come from above, and if you have that perspective, then God can open up the floodgates of heaven for you. It changes your relationship with your fears. I don't have to be controlled by that any longer. I don't have to be controlled by what's going on around me because I have a relationship with a heavenly father who has given me a peace that surpasses all understanding. It changes my relationship with my friends. I don't need their affirmation any longer because I got it from Jesus. So I don't have to get it from you. My relationship with God changes my relationship with everyone and everything else in my life. It's a two-way street. And at the cross, in the third phrase of Jesus, he gives us the greatest revelation on how to have healthy relationships in our life. And we see at the cross, here's Jesus, and and he's got some people at the cross with him. And He speaks into their life. And it's interesting, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, you read it, he gives you great detail about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Matthew talks about when Peter walked on the water because Matthew was there. Matthew was in the boat. He saw Peter sink like a rock, and he tells us about Jesus lifting him up because Matthew was there. But Matthew wasn't there at the cross. So I don't really want to know what Matthew has to say at the cross. I want to know what somebody that was actually there has to say. Because not all the disciples were at the cross with Jesus. Isn't it amazing how a cross will really thin out a crowd? Isn't it amazing how a a crisis in your life will really thin out the people that are in your life? And Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times but a brother is born for adversity. And you realize that Jesus, when he came and he walked the streets, there were people that would chant his name and shout hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Let's try that. Can I get an amen? I I mean, that was Jesus's ministry. Imagine the the, the amens he got when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, imagine his front row. His front row would have be been a lot more boisterous than the front row here. No offense, because you had the Word preaching the Word. That's pretty awesome. I mean, can you imagine how exuberant they were on Palm Sunday as Jesus is riding in on a donkey and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, they're praising, they got palm branches on because they they want Jesus to save them, but when Jesus didn't save them the way that they expected him to save them, then all of a sudden they went silent and were nowhere to be found because a lot of times we supersede our expectations on Jesus that you need to save me this way and then when when he doesn't do it that way, then we go silent and we run away. And that's what happened at the cross, is all of a sudden at the cross, it was real quiet. At the cross, there weren't any amens or hosannas. Jesus had 12 disciples that were good dudes. They were really good. They saw Jesus do all these miracles. They saw Jesus calm a storm when they were in the the boat. They came in a panic to Jesus, Jesus, there's a storm, and Jesus was right there, and Jesus calmed the storm, and when they were hungry, and they didn't know what they were going to do with this rowdy crowd, they gave... Jesus, five loaves and two fish. And Jesus took those five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people for the disciples. The disciples, every time they needed something, they, they asked Jesus and Jesus was there and he would calm the storm. But now Jesus isn't calming a storm like the way they expected him to calm the storm. And because of that, they walk out on Jesus because the moment many times you will experience this, somebody can't get that thing from you like they used to, they'll be out the door because the whole relationship was based off of you doing that one thing for them and now Jesus is experiencing that pain see in relationships you will find the greatest pleasure and the greatest pain in your life in the form of relationships and we see that so vividly with Jesus on the cross Jesus is on the cross and It says in John chapter 19, the disciple, verse 26, whom Jesus loved, was standing nearby the cross. Matthew wasn't there, but John was there. The disciple whom Jesus loved. That's a sweet nickname. Like Lily comes around the house and says, I am the child whom my father loves. She doesn't do that, but she kind of does that. You know, it, John was just basically, I, I'm his favorite. Now, was John Jesus' favorite? No. I mean, he, Jesus didn't love John more than he loved anybody else. But John just got the revelation that Jesus loves me. And that's what my relationship with him is based on. Simon Peter was the opposite. Simon Peter's whole relationship with Jesus was, how much can I love you? How much can I prove to you? I'll prove to you how faithful I am. I'll jump out of the boat and walk on water. I'll say things at the Last Supper, like if all other people leave you, I never will, Jesus. I'm so loyal, but the loudest people aren't always the most loyal people. And see, John got the revelation That will sustain you through sin and will sustain you through failures and will cause you in your moments of weakness to be pushed to the cross and not away from the cross, and that is my relationships is based off of how much Jesus loves me, not based off of how much I love Jesus, because how much Jesus loves you today never changes, it never ceases, it's not a roller coaster, it's not based on whether or not you have a good day or a bad day, it's not a he loves me, he loves me not kind of love, it is a constant, consistent force that is coming towards you every day of the week as powerfully as it does every day. And not, yeah. And I'm thankful for that. So, in the midst of a crisis, where's Peter? Peter's in a panic. At the Last Supper, I think this is hysterical. At the Last Supper, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, One of you is gonna forsake me, one of you is gonna betray me. And they're like panicked Oh my God, is it me? Is it me? Is it Ron? Is it Rick? is it pastor can't be pastor ronda she's just perfect can't be pastor who is it is it me it was like people at Shoprite looking for toilet paper they're in a panic who is it who is it they're they're anxious they don't know who is it who is it And, and they're all in a panic and where's john john's in a recliner with 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 a glass of wine and some bread just chilling and not worried about a thing saying i'm too blessed to be stressed because i know how much jesus loves me I don't know about these jokers, but I'm good. Even if I fall and I fail, I know that no matter what, his love towards me is constant and consistent. And so there's John in this moment of panic, just chilling, reclining, leaning up against Jesus with his head on his shoulder, saying, I'm going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And so at the cross, here's Jesus For three and a half years, he had these 12 people following him everywhere, and now Jesus is at the cross. Peter, where are you, Peter? Peter's a casualty of condemnation, because in his moment of weakness, when he fell and he failed, all of a sudden, because he didn't understand how much he was loved and how much grace Jesus had towards him, he ran off to who he used to be. Where's Andrew? Andrew was in the boat when Jesus told Peter to cast his nets on the other side. And they pulled in the miraculous Lord. Where's where's Andrew? Not there. Where's Bartholomew? Gone. He's never really mentioned, so did we really expect anything more from Bartholomew? God bless him. (laughs) James, Jesus' own brother. Not even with his own mother and brother as he's dying. He's out, gone. Who knows where? Nathaniel, absent. John, Present. Aren't you thankful for the people that are just present? People that are just there. Not loud. They don't promise you a whole lot, but they're just there. There's John. Only disciple to just be there. And the other people that were there was Jesus' own mother, which I think is so amazing to to see Jesus' mother there, seeing her son die, be tortured and executed on a cross, and there's nothing that she could do about it. How much strength would it take for, for a mother just to just to be there watching their son go through that? But I, I believe that there's a word for, for a mom somewhere that, 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 you know what, if all you could do is just be there, there's nothing you could do to save that son or daughter, but they just need you to be there there in their presence, standing alongside them, that is the greatest strength that you could give them in many moments. And then there was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was an amazing woman. She uh, was tormented her entire life until she met Jesus. She, the Bible tells us, had seven demons that were in her. She was tormented. She was oppressed. But then Jesus came and, and, and cast the demons out and, and called her and accepted her in a way that no other man ever did. And she had this, this loyalty and this love towards Jesus that, that basically said, Jesus, if you never do another thing for me, I'm going to stand here. I'll, I'll give you the perfume. I'll, I'll wash your feet with my hair. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I have to go through. I'm going to stand by you, even if it doesn't happen the way I expected. I'm here at the cross for you, man. And I pray that I could have that kind of loyalty that, Jesus, you can't run me off. I'm with you no matter what, whether I get what I expect or whether I don't get what I expect. I'm going to be at your feet no matter what I go through. That's the kind of faith that Mary Magdalene had, and then there's, there's John, and Jesus in this moment, this is amazing. Jesus in this moment of him suffering, suffering for my sin, your sin, he's He's in horrible pain, and yet he still sees the needs of others. He sees his mom, realizes that historians believe Jesus' father had passed away, and his, his mom uh, was, a, was a widow at this point, and she was going to have nobody to take care of her. And yet Jesus saw his own mother's need in the moment of him suffering for the entire world, sees his mother there, and sees the, her needs above his needs. My gosh, how many of us, when we're suffering, when we're going through it, all we care about is us and our problems and our suffering and how this isn't fair and how I don't deserve this. But you know what? Jesus was able to, even in his lowest moment, be able to still see the needs of others even as he is suffering and dying. That, I'm telling you, is the life that we are able to live through Christ. But it's not easy, is it? I don't think, I mean, I don't know if I could do that. Because if if I had 11 out of my 12 walk out on me and I'm up there hanging on a cross, I wouldn't have seen John because all I would have been thinking about is Peter betraying me. All I would have been thinking about is all these disciples and what they said to my face and how they made these promises and lied to me and turned their back on me. And I was there for them when they needed me in the storm. But yet now I'm in my storm and now they're nowhere to be found. I would have been thinking about Judas and how I was going to get Judas back. I would have never even seen John. But so often this is what happens is when we are going through our crisis, we see the people that aren't there more than we see the people that are there. And you know what? There's a John at your cross. And you know what? There may have been some people that walked out on you and left you and hurt you and betrayed you. But if God allowed them to be taken from your life, then guess what? You don't need them in order to walk into your destiny because there's a John at your cross. God will always send people into your life that will help carry you and get you to where you need to be. And many times it is not who you expected. But if you are so consumed about who's not giving you encouragement, then you're not even going to be able to receive the encouragement that people are pouring into your life because I want it from Bob. Well, forget about Bob. Receive it from Mary. Mary's pouring into your life. Forget about, well, I want it from from, from Michelle. I want the, no, 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 no. Forget about them and receive the encouragement that people are pouring into you. But if you're so consumed about who's not there and what they're not saying, then you're gonna completely miss what God is doing in your life for you. And and Judas is crazy, right? But... I mean, why would Jesus be mad at Judas? Because he needed John at the cross, but he needed Judas to get him to the cross. See, sometimes the haters and the betrayers are the ones that God will use the most to get you to where he wants to get you in order to raise you up and walk into your destiny. Sometimes it takes a DUI. Sometimes it takes a crisis. Sometimes it it takes a breakup for you to realize that you are truly loved by God, and it doesn't matter what he says about you. He doesn't know how to love you the right way, and you need to realize that that breakup was the best thing that ever happened to you because now it's giving God an opportunity to bring Mrs. Right or Mr. Right into your life. But if you're always looking back at what you lost, you'll not see the John at the foot of your cross that God has placed before you you and this is the 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 whole sermon are you ready in the balcony are you ready all right here this is the whole sermon how was jesus able to do this suffering dying and still seeing the needs of others still able to forgive others as he is being persecuted and suffering how is jesus able to do this I'll tell you how, and it was the first scripture I read, which none of y'all probably remember unless you wrote it down. But you're going to remember it now, because I'm telling you to. When Jesus was baptized, the first thing the Father said to him, this is my Son, in whom I love, and in whom I am well pleased. And because Jesus took it from the Father, took his love from the Father, took his acceptance from the Father, took his affirmation from the Father, he didn't need it from anybody else. So if he didn't get it from Judas or he didn't get it from Peter, it didn't matter. I could still forgive them. I could still be able to love them and serve them because I don't need anything from them because I got it from the Father. I remember... Early on, early on in in, in marriage, um, I remember there'd be moments, and I think Diamond shared in a couple of her sermons, when she would be just just in tears because of um, something that she wasn't getting from her mom, I remember. And it it would be hard for her because she would, she would say, just, you know, things like, I just want her to be normal like every other mom. Like, I didn't grow up like every other mom. And and, and uh, I just wish, you know, I, I, had, I had a mom that, that would be able to, to love me the way I know I deserve. And, and these real things, these are real emotions that, that we go through. And, and, and I remember, um, you know, and she'll tell you now, we would go through these conversations. And I, I would say things to her like, you know, she can't give it to you because she doesn't have it. See, so often you're expecting something from somebody else that they're not capable of giving you because they don't have it. And your love and your your affirmation you think is going to come from them, but they don't even have it to begin with. They don't know how to love themselves. How do you expect them to love you? Come on. And yet, Jesus gives us this great key to living a life free is being able to realize if they don't do another thing for me that's not going to stop me from being able to love and serve and give encouragement to them because I don't need a thing from them because I got it from the father see when you take it from him then I could give it to them See, if you're always trying to take from them or I need a word from from Mary today, I need encouragement from Candace, I I need love from from Rob, I I, I need a return text message from Gary, I, I I need this, I need this in order to feel good and feel like I'm important, I need it, I need it. If you're always grabbing from other people, you'll never be satisfied because they don't have what you need. But if you grab it from God, that's where it comes from, then I could give it to them. And in the words of Forrest Gump, one less thing to worry about. Remember Forrest Gump gets the letter in the mail from Lieutenant Dan saying, I invested that money you you, you made in this fruit company, you know, Apple. And now you don't have to worry about money anymore. And, And Forrest Gump says, good, one less thing to worry about. I mean, if you can live like Jesus died, one less thing to worry about. You don't have to worry about where your joy is coming from today. You don't have to worry about where your affirmations coming from. You don't have to worry about where your encouragement is coming from today. And even if you don't get it from your spouse or you don't get it from your kids, if you don't get it from your friend, then you know what? I'm going to be okay because I don't need it from them because I already got it from the Father. When you get it from the Father, you can live like Jesus died and be able to see the needs of others and not be so consumed about who betrayed you and who hurt you. That's how I want to live. and I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. Can anybody say that? I want to get there. That's right, Lily. You're going to get there, baby. Amen. Stand to your feet if you're able to. You get something this morning? just If you did, just raise your hand. Just Put it up right now. Hold it up there. You got something. Put it up there. High as you can. I want you to close it. I'm taking my affirmation. Put it back. I'm taking my peace. I'm taking my joy. Taking my confidence. That's right. It doesn't come from anybody else. Doesn't come from my job, doesn't come from my spouse, it doesn't come from my siblings, it comes from above. So now, because I took it from him, now I could give it to others. Amen. Let's just bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you that you are the peace in the midst of the storm. And Lord, I pray that this morning, Father, that every single person in here, will take it from the cross. They will take their forgiveness from the cross. They will take their healing from the cross. They will take their acceptance from the cross. Take their encouragement from the cross. That you don't have to look around you to find out whether or not you're loved. Look to the cross. And that'll show you how much love is in you. You are loved because of what he did at the cross. Father, I pray for anyone who who has been betrayed, anyone who has carried a cross and in a much smaller way than Jesus has been embarrassed. And many times those situations will thin out a crowd. I'm making as much money as I used to be it thinned out the crowd. I don't have that position I used to thinned out the crowd. People walked out on you. Maybe because of your own stupid decisions, or maybe because of something that you didn't do at all, but all of a sudden you look down and it's not as crowded as it used to be in your life. I pray this morning that you will not be consumed with the people that are not at your cross. You will not be driven to prove to them and prove them wrong, but you will realize that my acceptance comes from the Father. My forgiveness comes from the Father. My affirmation comes from the Father. And even if they left me and walked out on me, I could still forgive them. I could still be able to serve and be able to have joy in my heart and have peace in my heart. See, if your peace comes from the world, then the world can take that peace away. But in the same way, I I believe it's in the New Testament where it says, "This, this world didn't give me this peace, so this world can't take it away. See, if you get it from the Father, this world can't take it away. That person can't take it away. Nothing can take it away when you get it from your Father. And we receive that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody in this house says amen and amen.